but one of those places is Star Wars versus Star Trek. And if you get into Star Trek, is it, is, is it Kirk or Picard? We had to, yes, we went there. All right, let's find out how it resolves. Did you know that compact fluorescent light bulbs use 60% less energy than regular yeah, light bulbs? And that each one saves about 300 pounds of carbon dioxide a year. If all Americans switch to CFLs, we would save more than 9 billion pounds of carbon dioxide. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Muni Radio in San Francisco. People from all over the Bay Area come to the Lindsay Wildlife Museum to experience close encounters with live wild animals. The museum's living collection features more than 50 species of non-releasable native California animals. Visitors can see and learn about wildlife such as eagles, owls, bobcats, coyotes, reptiles, and other fascinating creatures. The museum's world-renowned Wildlife Rehabilitation Hospital treats more than 5,000 wild animals each year with the goal of returning them to their native habitat. The Lindsay Wildlife Museum is in Walnut Creek. To learn more, visit wildlife-museum.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Magazine. I'm Global Val. You're listening to Mutiny Radio.fm. Happy Friday, everybody. It's April 1st. And you know what that means? It means it's the beginning of National Poetry Month. Didn't see that one coming, did you? National Poetry Month is celebrated throughout the country. Uh, to uh, to uh, give praise um, to poetry, the uh, the often very free verse of, of, our, of our language here, which uh, although it, it leaves a lot of words out, it's meant, I believe, for you to read between the lines. Um, so we'll be celebrating National Poetry Month here on Women's Magazine and on the Common Thread Collective coming up next, of course, here at Mutiny Radio. We're here at 21st in Florida, the corner uh, right here, 21st in Florida in the Mission District of San Francisco, my hometown. And uh, it's always, a, it's always a, a great month to celebrate. We've got... Um, a lot of events coming up actually tonight there's an event at the beat museum at 540 broadway street in north beach um, the upstairs gallery space is hosting the 16th admission street poets um, so that show starts at seven o'clock tonight at the beat museum to kick off uh, national poetry month and then uh, we'll see that book ended towards the end of the month with poems under the dome which is the it will be the 11th annual Poems Under the Dome, which has been held inside San Francisco City Hall for the past 10 years. And it, we, we refer to it as the mother of all open mics. Uh, it's a citywide event, all ages. People are encouraged to come and participate, basically. You can come, put your name in the hat, literally. It's a big green hat in the back of the room. And if your name gets called, you may get up to the microphone and read one poem 
in three minutes or less. And it could be something you've you've written. It can be uh, some an old favorite of yours. Um, but it, it, it does allow us to exercise the First Amendment right inside the halls of our local government. And uh, we're, we, we love being able to do that. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, the end of April, Thursday the 28th. Uh, so we'll have more updates about that uh, as we go along. And uh, the, the website for that is www.poemdome.net, P-O-E-M-D-O-M-E net because of course we're referring to the the gilded uh, the gilded rotunda of San Francisco's uh, Beaux Arts uh, San Francisco City Hall so happy National Poetry Month I'm gonna play a little music for you and then I'm gonna be back in a couple minutes I'm gonna be speaking to Mona Lisa Wallace uh, to talk about some of the exciting um, progress that is being made about women's rights in our country and around the world please stay tuned thanks for tuning in
Things are not the way they used to be. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val, and you're tuned in to MutinyRadio.fm. Uh, we're still operating from our... Um, old, uh, and not so old, but uh, our, our uh, original website, pcrcollective.org, as we transition into our new website, mutinyradio.fm. If you've tuned in, to, if you've uh, clicked onto that, you've seen uh, a brand new look for our website, and we're really excited about it, but we're still in the transition period, so all our podcasts are still available at podcast.pcrcollective.org. And... Uh, Today, hey, I want to welcome my guest, uh, Mona Lisa Wallace. Hello, Mona Lisa. Hi, Val. Mona Hello, Lisa. everyone. Yeah, Mona Lisa Wallace is uh, is I, I like I like your title, which is Esquire. Um, she's an attorney. She's an environmental and civil rights attorney. Um, so it's always a pleasure to have you into the Mutiny Radio uh, studios here to join me on Women's Magazine. Thanks, Val. And so today we're going to focus on. The ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. And uh, what I was doing throughout the month of March is I was reading um, excerpts from a book I found at a, at a bookstore called Women Who Changed History, Extraordinary Women, which is edited by Catherine Edmondson. And uh, it just kind of highlights uh, women throughout history, mostly focused on American women, but also a lot of international ones as well. And so to start this conversation about the ERA, I'd like to read the insert about Alice Paul, who lived from 1885 to 1977. She was an American suffragist, which means she was out there trying to get the right to vote for women, uh, which we haven't had in this country for 100 years yet, um, four years away from that uh, monumental century. So Alice Paul, this trailblazing activist brought the techniques of British suffragists back to her Native America. She was also the author of the first Equal Rights Amendment submitted to Congress in 1923. The so-called Lucretia Mott Amendment was never passed by Congress. In the 1970s, Paul supported the later Equal Rights Amendment just as unhesitatingly. That amendment did make it to the state legislatures, but fell a few states short of adoption. Paul died in 1977 and never saw her ideas incorporated into the United States Constitution. And the wait continues. Let's talk about the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, Mona Lisa. Let's talk about it. So um, we were talking about the Equal Rights Amendment that was originally written by Alice Paul. And the idea that well, we believe that women um, should be protected by the law in the exact same way that men have rights. Did we do our contest yet? We haven't done the contest okay, yet. Okay, let's do that first. Okay, so here's the contest, folks. If anybody can, can call in right now to Mutiny Radio and tell us when the Equal Rights Amendment passed, when it became ratified and law in the United States, Please give us a call right now at 415-550-0511, and I'll be waiting here to pick up the phone and have you tell us the answer. Again, the question is, when did the Equal Rights Amendment pass in the United States? We'll be right back. Give us a call, 415-550-0511. First caller gets a prize. Just gonna suffer now. Lord, forgive me for not going back, but I'll be there.
Well, welcome back. Um, I'm happy to report that nobody called uh, to answer my question, which is when did the Equal Rights Amendment pass? And, uh, you know, that's okay because uh, it shows that everyone out there is who is listening knows that it's April Fool's. That never passed, and I cannot tell a lie. So uh, happy April, everybody. But let's actually talk about what the Equal R Rights Amendment means and what it would mean um, if it were to be ratified uh, throughout the United States, um, both nationally and kind of connected internationally, because there's the international um, treatise of the CEDAW, um, which is the which would grant uh, which grants equal. Uh, rights and protections for women around the, around the world, but that's another treaty. It's an international treaty from the United Nations uh, that needs to be ratified by each country. Um, the United States is one of, of a handful, a small handful of countries who has not ratified CEDAW, that's C-E-D-A-W, um, and uh, we are actually in the company of a few other countries who haven't passed it, including Somalia and Iran. So. Um, Let's look at what some of these, uh, the ERA, what that amendment would mean for us, and then CEDAW, what that, um, what that uh, would mean, what that means internationally. Mona Lisa, could you shed a little bit of light on, uh, on these topics? Okay, let's try that. So we were just talking about CEDAW, and that's international law. So we have international, we have federal, so each nation has their own law, and then we have states and then localities, like San Francisco is a locality. So the laws that have to do with um, um, the international, the United Nations, the international community, um, the international community has, has almost unanimously, unanimously agreed that women should have equality. Um, so the U.S., if they were to ratify CEDAW, would by default be required to um, also ratify Equal Rights Amendment here in the United States. Um, the Equal Rights Amendment was originally written by Alice Paul. Um, uh, a lot of people now um, have modified it just, just a little bit to change um, the word sex to um, gender identity. Um, I'll just read it to you now exactly how it is. And w one would think that this is already part of the Bill of Rights. Um, Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of gender identity. So the idea that someone's um, gender identity should determine what their human rights are is just ridiculous. You're a human if you're a human. Um, the reason why we have a lot of the problems that we do right now in our society having to do with, for example, all of the local rules, we're talking about uh, the federal, const the constitutional level, local rules having to do with um, marriage equality and reproductive freedom have to do with the, the lack of having a constitutional or federal level, all of our U.S. United States of America um, population and citizenry not being protected by equal rights. Um, there have been little, um, there have been l little changes in the Constitution through Supreme Court rulings or bills or acts that have, for example, mandated equal pay, very specific things in specific areas that would um, simulate what equal rights would be. But because we don't actually have an equal rights amendment, it takes a lot of law cases and arguments. And if you don't find exactly the law where equality is permitted, for example, like with the equal um, employment opportunity laws, if you don't have it specifically within that, so for example, reproductive freedom, if it doesn't fit within that, well then there, the equality is not there. 
So where um, if we had the ERA, we would have all of the actors who are acting as the government. So if um, a school receives government funding, the school is somewhat like an arm of the government and is required to respect um, uh, the civil rights of people. So First Amendment, Second Amendment, it would include gender equality if we had um, gender equality. And there are many institutions that are arms of the government who are allowing discrimination to occur and why we have these um, conflicts at the state and local level over reproductive freedom is because we don't have equality. Um, and that starts at the very, very top. So um, the American Medical Association is an arm of the U.S. government. In the same way, lawyers, um, are, we have to have a membership of the, the Bar Association. And the Bar Association is given permission by the government to sort of act as the government. And the AMA is the same way, where um, if someone pretends to be a doctor and they are not actually, you know, a, 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 um, part of, of the established AMA community of doctors, if they have not, um, are not licensed under that, then they, they are commit, committing a crime. So the, the, the interweaving and intersection between the AMA and the U.S. government is, is enough that the AMA is required to respect civil rights. Um, so in that way, um, for example, women are the only gender who are subjected to um, uh, the permission by the AMA um, to have their doctor not share full information, industry standard information. Oh. Should we answer it? There's a call. Mute the radio. It's Diamond Dave who's called in. All right. He's on his way down to uh, Mutiny Radio, and we're doing a women's magazine right now with Mona Lisa. So we'll see you in a little while for the Common Thread Collective. That's right. Wonderful. Thank you, Dave, for calling. We'll see you soon. Live radio, folks. Live community radio. Diamond Dave wanted to call and let us know he is on his way down to kick off National Poetry Month here for the Common Thread Collective, which is coming up next. But I'm glad we answered the phone in case somebody was calling to answer the question that we posed earlier. I know. I was hoping <laughs> we caught somebody. All right. Your listeners are just too savvy. I, I know, right? Okay, so let's go back to AMA. So AMA right, being AMA. a government arm, right? So they're allowing doctors to practice medicine where even to save a human life so um, that that they're allowing the doctors to m make these decisions um, against women they're not allowing that against anyone else so that would be an obvious um, difference in gender that is being permitted because we don't have equal rights and we wouldn't need all these laws about abortion being fought at a state level if it was illegal for an OBGYN to refuse to, to practice medicine in the industry standard way. So if the industry standard says that if a woman is um, two weeks pregnant and she's having a severe reaction to the pregnancy, her blood pressure is so high that she will lose her kidneys in hours or days that she would lose the, her kidneys for the rest of her life if she didn't immediately terminate a pregnancy. And if that OG, OBGYN has to send her out of the hospital in order to maintain its Catholic status, that that's what happened in Arizona just a few years ago where um, a woman was um, w w presented who was in her first trimester of pregnancy and um, required an immediate DNC. And um, in, in that case, they did have meeting after meeting, and they decided that it was what's necessary to save her life and did that and saved her life. But um, the, the, the doctors were excommunicated, the hospital was excommunicated, and the reason being that OBGYN, that are, are being permitted to practice medicine, um, which affects women in a way that is allowing um, the 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 religious attitudes of people to affect how they treat women right. and that would be illegal if we had an equal rights amendment and and that's and that's huge uh, that's huge because obviously there's a lot of um, strong opinions about abortion throughout the country um, 
but uh, the fact, as you said, that doctors, um, based on personal beliefs, uh, can refuse to uh, perform a medical procedure, a routine medical procedure, a legal medical procedure. Um, and a medically required procedure. Right. A li so and a in many terms, a life-saving yeah. procedure. Yeah. So it's fine. If that doctor has that feeling and has that, you know, religious conviction in his heart that, that he really can't do that, then he should be practicing another area of, of medicine. He should be a penis doctor or a foot doctor. But for him to be practicing as an OBGYN, but just in these certain narrow cir circumstances that interfere with his religious practice, treats women in this way that basically endangers their lives, um, that that shouldn't be allowed by a government arm. So at the very, very top level, the AMA should not be allowing people to practice as an OBGYN if they're not willing to do the medically required industry standard treatments to known problems that continue to recur in our society. So just like just the very top level, I think that if we had uh, the passage of the ERA, we would get we would be able to overcome so many of these um, smaller and sometimes larger battles. Um, you know, another example is um, just a couple years ago, the Walmart case. Well, yeah, what, ha what happened there? Um, I, I, I believe, and this is, seems like a, a massive, huge number. It seems like crazy talk, but I think it was one and a half million women um, affected that were denied um, class action or whatever to be able to, to sue and, um, on this, but that, that one and a half million women were paid less than men to do the same work. Which is so wild. It's so wild to me to think about that as a reality. You know, I feel like how, I mean, maybe it sounds naive, um, but I, I feel like how is that even possible that you could have two people show up for the jo same job, apply, get the job, and one person gets offered more than the other? I mean, I know that in a lot, a lot of cases, women do make less than men, and there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I mean, there's a lot of um, research about how women approach their careers and what they're willing or not willing to ask for. So I think that there's some, in some fields, you know, women are making less than men, perhaps because they just didn't negotiate as much. Um, but when we're talking about a sales position, a, a retail position, um, going in and saying, I want to I be a cashier, and then having two people hired and one just being offered less money. To me, that's, that's, that's wild. That's wild. It's wildly crazy to me, um, and that that happens in the United States. But it does, obviously. Um, so, do we know what happened um, coming out of that Walmart case? So, were they able to um, no. form a class action? No. And the and the and and, and this is how. I, and I'm I'm really not sure if I'm explaining it in the best way. And so I, I, I'd like to try again, but it, cause it really does, it has to do with the top down legal system. So from the con the U S constitution being that kind of, um, mothership of law of the United States, like at the federal level that applies to everything and kind of trumps all the other laws. So you can't make laws and at the local level that abridge your freedoms that are part of your your constitutional rights right um so putting it at that level would basically solve so many of our other many 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 different problems that are occurring through society and that has to do with not just um the passage of laws that restrict a woman's um E equality, but also the authorization, the funding, and the facilitating of the discrimination against women. So that's the part where um, that starting from the top down, um, the Lilly Ledbetter Act was a law that um, had to be signed and passed in, uh, um, over a case of a woman who lost her case in the Supreme Court. And when I went, um, was in law school at Stanford, um, at that time, um, the I was told that oh, um, when when a, a woman finds out that she's been paid less, um, she's been um, paid um, unequally. Uh, she the the statute of limitations doesn't run on her until she's found out, until she discovered that that happened. And then, because how could she have sued if she didn't know that she was being underpaid all those years before? 
And so that was just the way that the cases had gone, and we live in a common law um, um, legal system, so it's whatever the, the case law is saying is what the law is going by till finally it hits the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court's like no 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 statute of limitations you know expires on you you know if you didn't know you weren't getting paid too bad for you and so then we had to pass a special law to 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 create that and all those little laws wouldn't even be necessary if we just had that kind of initial top-down federal equal rights amendment we would just have equal rights and we wouldn't have to 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 find the other law that it fits into to demand our equality on each and every each and everything hello and welcome it is friday april 8th happy friday everybody uh you're listening to women's magazine here on mutiny radio i'm global val and uh the the episode you were listening to was last week's episode so that was april 1st no joke about that that was a uh, mona lisa wallace esquire on twitter she is green feminist and uh, talking about how if we pass the era the equal rights amendment um, which needs to be ratified by two-thirds of the states um that it would put into the constitution uh that women are equal under the constitution because that's not actually in the Constitution. Um, of course, we have the right to vote. Uh, that's an amendment there. Um, but again, that amendment, um, we've only had the right to vote for 96 years, not even 100 years. Um, so talking about how if we were to ratify the ERA, which gets introduced in Congress every year, of course, it doesn't get heard or, or, or voted upon every year, um, especially with the Congress that we have right now, uh, which actively... Um, puts forward bills to try to uh, take away women's rights in, in various ways. Um, but how if, if we were to ratify the ERA, um, it would then be embedded into the Constitution, and, uh, and, and which is the, the umbrella of law in our country and would, um, would certainly help uh, in the cases of, of uh, discrimination against women and people of... Um, well, uh, and gender discrimination, essentially. Um, so, hey, thanks for joining me this Friday, uh, April 8th. You are listening live to mutinyradio.fm, um, also pcrcollective.org. Uh, we're transitioning to a new uh, website, so if you log on uh, to mutinyradio.fm, uh, you may see our new site, which is uh, kind of up and coming Um but everything is still housed in, on the pcrcollective.org website. And we are a community radio station here. Uh, we're a bunch of uh, volunteer dues-paying members. So thank you for bearing with us. And uh, there's lots of opportunities to get involved at Mutiny Radio. You can come down. There's a, a lot of uh, live shows throughout the week. And um, we also have a lot of cool events. Speaking of events, if you want to have... Maybe you want to have your birthday party here, or you want to have a book release party, or uh, or you, you have a band and you want to have like a jam. Um, we do uh, offer event rentals Saturday and Sunday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. That means that there's a DJ here to run the boards. We'll set up microphones for you. You'll get a podcast of the show. Uh, the show will broadcast live on mutinyradio.fm. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. So if you're interested, um, contact us. Uh, best place to contact us is on Facebook, usually, um, Mutiny Radio. So I'm going to play a little music for you, and then I'll be right back.
You're listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val here on MutinyRadio.fm. I've been reading uh, periodically from uh, this book here called Women Who Changed History, Extraordinary Women. It's edited by Catherine M. Edmondson. And uh, it's a a great little book. It kind of gives a little synopsis of of women throughout history. Um, A lot of mostly American women, but also a a few international women. And uh, for example, we've got Osa Johnson, 1894 to 1953, American photographer. Johnson, a wildlife photographer, conducted a number of pioneering forays into Africa and Polynesia between 1910 and 1937 that make modern jungle expeditions look tame by comparison. During one harrowing encounter in the South Seas, she and her traveling companion were captured by a group of cannibals. What? Their captors were eventually won over by Johnson's hastily developed photographs of tribe members. There's an example of how art can save your life, everybody. Osa Johnson, American photographer. Who else do we have here? Ooh, Gabriela Mistral, Chilean poet. And it is National Poetry Month, uh, 1889 to 1957. Mistral was the first Latin American to win the Nobel Prize in Literature. Although her voice was distinctively Latin American, Mistral's topics were universal, and her lyrical, passionate verses, steeped in idealism, found an enthusiastic international audience. I like you already, Gabriella. Okay, important collections of her work include uh, Desolacion, 1922, Tala, 1938, and Lagar, 1954. Although Mistral is today remembered primarily as a poet, she also served as a Chilean consul in a number of European and, and Latin American posts. She taught literature at some of the best schools in the United States and served as Chile's representative to the United Nations in the 1950s. Gabriela Mistral, Chilean poet. Let's jump around. Frances Perkins, American social reformer, 1882 to 1965. Frances Perkins conducted an influential survey of New York's notorious Hell's Kitchen neighborhood while completing work on on her master's degree at Columbia. In 1918, right in the thick of World War I, she received an appointment to the New York State Industrial Commission. This marked the beginning of a successful government career. She was named to head of the board in 1926 by New York Governor Al Smith and held the post under the state's next governor, Franklin Roosevelt. Frances Perkins was a tireless advocate for the health and safety of American workers, women in particular. Her appointment as U.S. Secretary of Labor in 1933 made Perkins the first woman named to a cabinet post. Go, Francis. So uh, these are some, some people we can uh, learn more about. And, uh, and, and let's not forget, because you certainly don't always get it in your history class. Uh, so here's a little more music from a cool uh, international crew, Lost at Last. I'll be right back. Thank you. 
You are listening to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val. Thanks for tuning in to MutinyRadio.fm. Um, some very uplifting mu- music from uh, the crew, international crew, Lost at Last. Um, but I want to turn our attention here t- a moment to something uh, a bit more serious, actually. Um, not that fun and international love isn't serious. That is a serious force. Um, but uh, unfortunately, there are other forces at play. Uh, you might notice them. I notice them. Uh, you know, and we always kind of try to rise above. Um, but one thing I've been noticing now, here's a, here, uh, I'll, I'll let you in on something funny. Okay. Maybe it's not uh, hilarious, but, uh, as a radio DJ, um, you know, here doing community radio every week, twice a week, two, two shows on Fridays. Um, and, uh, you know, for the past five years, when I drive around in my car, I listen to the regular radio. Uh, I don't plug in uh, an MP3 player or anything. I like to do it kind of old-fashioned way and like search and scan around and see what's playing on the local radio stations. It's how I grew up. It's it's just something I like to do. Now I am often disappointed. I will I will say that. Um, so <laughs> maybe you are too. Um, and so. Sorry, I got a little distracted here. Um, so there's, um, uh, you know, I grew up uh, here in San Francisco during a, you know, a rock and roll. It's a rock and roll city. Um, I grew up here in the 80s. My brothers grew up in the 70s. My, my, it's a very, we have a very musical family. It spans many, many eras of music, and, and we're all very much into it, and we listen to lots of different kinds of music. Um, but, of course, growing up in the 80s, uh, one group that, that showed up in my teenage brother's, uh, you know, cassette tape a lot was, of course... Guns N' Roses. And, uh, you know, I, I've always kind of liked Guns N' Roses myself. You know, who doesn't like to, to, to rip out your own vocal cords trying to do Sweet Child of Mine at karaoke? Or um, I actually, the funny thing is when I was really, really little, my favorite song was Mr. Brownstone. <laughs> which later on I realized is about heroin, uh, heroin addiction. So, you know, it, it's just kind of funny. Uh, not that heroin's funny, but... Um, I've had this kind of lifelong relationship with the music of Guns N' Roses. And so I was listening to the radio the other day, and uh, a local radio station, I won't name them, but they're giving tickets away to the Guns N' Roses concert. I guess Guns N' Roses, you know, they're, they're, they're dusting off their, their shit-kicking boots and coming, coming to the Bay Area sometime soon. I don't have any of the details. I'm not promoting the show. But one very local radio, uh, rock and roll radio station is and so of course when they're giving away their tickets they're playing some guns and roses songs and in the past week twice as i've been driving around searching for something to listen to on the regular radio in the car um i have come across this song which is so uh, in their cachet of songs that i didn't really remember uh very much and maybe it's because it didn't used to get a lot of radio play and here's why very very disturbed by that song and I hope you are too and I'm not really sure why um, this local radio station who is promoting their show has decided to play that song not once but twice that I've heard in the past week and I don't really drive that much Um, but uh, I find it to be rather disturbing and there's a few reasons why obviously Um, well 
if you go to the you know the one billion rising movement, one in three women around the world will be victims of violence in their lifetime. And also, if you go, uh, if you look at some of the statistics here in the United States, um, and I'm referencing some statistics from a website called SafeHorizon.org. Um, one in four women will experience domestic violence during her lifetime. Uh, domestic violence is most likely to take place between 6 p.m. and 6 a.m. More than 60% of domestic violence incidents happen at home. Uh, domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness among females, or families rather, according to the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. At least one-third of the families using New York City's family shelter system are homeless due to domestic violence. Um, women ages 18 to 34 are at greatest risk of becoming victims of domestic violence. More than 4 million women experience physical assault and rape by their partners. In two out of three female homicide cases, females are killed by a family member or an intimate partner. Two out of three female homicide cases uh, is some, somebody they know. Um, more than three million children witness domestic violence in their homes every year. Uh, children who live in homes where there is domestic violence also suffer abuse or neglect at high rates, 30 to 60 percent. Children exposed to domestic violence at home are more likely to have health problems, including becoming sick more often, having frequent headaches or stomach aches, and being more tired and lethargic. Um, children are more likely to intervene when they witness severe violence against a parent, which can then place a child at great risk of injury or even death. Domestic violence Victims face high rates of depression, sleep disturbances, anxiety, flashbacks, and other emotional distress. Domestic violence contributes to poor health for many survivors, including chronic conditions such as heart disease or gastrointestinal disorders. Most women brought to emergency rooms due to domestic violence were socially isolated and had few social and financial resources. Domestic violence costs more than $37 billion a year in law enforcement involvement, legal work, medical and mental health treatment, and lost productivity at companies. So when you're out there thinking about going to the Guns N' Roses concert, or you're listening to your local on-the-dial uh, rock and roll station here in San Francisco that's promoting that concert, you might want to ask them why they felt the need to play the song that is all about domestic violence. Oh no! Don't do it! Don't do it, you fucker! Thanks for tuning into Women's Magazine today and for looking out for everybody around you and look out for yourself. Don't let other people push you around. Um, even if it's just a little verbal slight um, or something more extreme uh, so that anything becomes physical, um, you know, or any sort of long ongoing emotional stress, um, emotional attacks uh, from a partner of either sex, don't stand for it. Take care of yourself. Um, and let's look out for one another because uh, there's a lot of poor images and messages being sent around uh, the planet. Um, I, I was driving into the city from the East Bay, and um, which I do from time to time. And there's a few, uh, on the same topic about domestic violence, there's a few um, billboards that I find really disturbing. Um, you've seen them all around. There's all these new uh, Apple iPhone uh, billboards that have pictures that people took and like shot on an iPhone. Um, and, you know, some of the pictures are 
fine and dandy and um there's a lot of selfies and you know it's just kind of pictures and good quality you know snapshots but whatever um but there's one picture that was on a billboard it had two pictures on the same billboard and now it actually has one giant one of its own um it's a picture um but that says by ruby J, and basically it's a selfie it's kind of a black and white of an emaciated young woman doesn't look like she's wearing any clothes of course that's not shown on the billboard but um you know the the bust above the bust so to speak uh bare shoulders bare arms um and and she's very thin and she looks like she just got beat up uh, there's some sort of uh, scar next to her eye. You can't really tell. Is that makeup or something? Um, and if you look a little closer, she has a, a, a bloody lip. She's got a fat lip. And her, and her right eye has, uh, it's a black eye. And it's a really, really disturbing picture. And I don't agree. I don't think that uh, the iPhone Apple company, uh, nor some of the sponsors who are involved in that in that uh, billboard campaign, this one has a Sprint sponsorship attached to it, as well as an Apple sponsorship. I don't think that that's the kind of image you want to be projecting across a city. And I was, uh, and it was funny because funny, not haha, but uh, funny because. The original one had the two pictures, that one, that really like sick looking beat up girl uh, picture next to another picture that was kind of more normal. Um, and then they took that one down and I, wa- and I went, oh good, that's that, at least they took down that picture. And then you go around, um, you know, one more bend on the freeway and there's just that picture on its own gigantic billboard and it's very disturbing and it's not okay. We really need to be a more responsible society and uh, the companies and the uh, media outlets that's, that uh, that have so much influence and so much say really need to be much more responsible citizens. And that is my rant for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women's Magazine with Global Val. Stay tuned for the Common Thread Collective coming up next. And um, you can come down and join us 21st in Florida. And remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, that inspiration is contagious. Take care of yourself. Look out for each other. Peace. Thank you. Can't fall the light for me. Remember. I-